This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. In this episode, we're starting off Season 2 with a core concept of our philosophy at Up Your RPG. We believe that role-playing games are a long-form narrative process created by GMs and players, building a story from both sides of the table. Let's get to it. Hey folks, welcome back to Up Your RPG. We are starting season two. We've been off for a couple weeks and it's super exciting to be back. My name's Arthur. I am joined as always by my co-hosts, Michael and Emily. And this week we are welcoming Scott. All of us are from the Under the Library podcast, so go check that out. And now I will pass this off to Michael. Michael, take it away. Yeah, thanks for joining us here for season two. Uh, this the concept of building from both sides of the table or building the world from both sides of the table. It's just really, really important to me. And I felt like when we started under the library that I wanted the world to be something that y'all had tangible ownership over. And so, uh, you know, starting out this season with kind of outlining what this feels like at the table, how it plays out, uh, it, it's just something I'm super passionate about because I think it ups the fun for everybody around the table and it alleviates a lot of pressure ultimately on the gm no matter what system you're in if you can find ways to open it up and so um, i think i'm gonna start off scott you've got some great kind of examples or ideas because the 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 opposite of this is right is when we get into an antagonistic relationship at the table or uh adversarial which um in some realms, I think probably kind of works for some tables, but for us and philosophically how we want to, we're trying to move away from that. And so I'm going to hand it off to you and let you get us going. Cool. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, so no, I, I think you're right in saying that I've got pretty strong feelings about this one. And I sort of, sometimes I equate it to board gaming, right? Like I've got lots of friends who love board gaming. Ali Al love board gaming, right? It's true. I don't. Because for the most part, it's a you go out to win, right? There's very few collaborative games where you're just playing and having fun and, and just sort of messing around. And it's not about winning or losing. It's about sort of the experience of playing. And, you know, we've I'll never name names in this, but we've had people we've gamed with over the years. And literally the whole time, it's like, who's going to win? And how do you game this? And how do you engineer the whole thing? And it's like, to me, it sucks. It's like going to work. So if I'm going to be gaming, I want it to sort of mesh who I am as a person, mesh with who I am as a person. And for me, you know, I've said this before, like when I've had to do, you know, done obviously lots of D&D, Call of Cthulhu with you guys, when I'm doing these, the tables where it feels like me against the DM, I sort of don't want to play like I've left games or, you know, sort of bought out because it's just not something I'm into where they're creating an environment in a space where they have sole ownership over everything and they're trying to win. And, you know, for me, when I can shape things and I can have a character like that builds a story and a narrative in collaboration with the, the DM, like when I think about what we did with our last big campaign, there were lots of instances where we would say, you know, it would be really great if we could do this and it fits with the character this way. And, you know, the, the, DM was like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. And so we had enough agency in the game to shape it to 
fit a story that we were also trying to tell. He wasn't just telling a story and then we fit in or didn't fit in. Um, and I think I'll close it by saying, and you know, part of it for me is I create characters that I care about and I do something that I really, really love. And, you know, obviously I do it because that's just how I like to identify with characters. But if it's a story, I want it to be a good story, right? Like we've all read crappy books. I hate them. I, I put them down, right? I don't want to read a shitty book. So when I'm working in a, a game or I'm playing in a game and it feels like work because it's a bad story, that's a recipe for walking away from me. Like I, you know, not, not like I'm going to take my ball and go home, but just literally it's like, why bother doing something that's just unenjoyable? And again, to my mind, the way that that happens is there's a collaborative energy to it. It's not us versus the DM. It's us building and telling a story together. And sometimes the characters live and sometimes they die, but it's always part of the larger story. And I think you bring up and I'll, I'll toss this question out for anybody but as you're talking about that i'm thinking about there's this kind of fine line or maybe it's not so fine but in my mind it is that of holding tension right like keeping players in danger or not players mm -hmm. sorry keeping characters in danger <laughs> or to the point right that it, it raises tension that it feels like yeah. there's consequence for your actions Versus kind of walking into that line where it feels like as a character, you're just like, and, and there's some instances where I think scrapping works and it makes sense. But in another sense where you're always kind of behind or what defines that line for y'all? I'm, I'm kind of curious as a GM uh, where that where that line falls for you. So if it's okay, let me just go really quickly because it plays right into what I said. And then I'm interested to hear yep. what you guys also think. But for me, it actually goes back to the, the notion of it being a story, right? When there's no tension, it's just a bad story, right? When there's no consequence for the actions, when someone is acting like an idiot at the table and just, you know, throwing away weapons because they don't like them. And it, you know what I mean? Like, like just all the goofiness that can happen at a table when someone is gaming the game. It's just, it would be a terrible story. You wouldn't read it, right? So when you're telling a good story, there's tension. There's there's a reason to care about the characters. There's actual consequences. And like I said, sometimes the characters die. Sometimes those consequences are pretty dire. But it should always be a really strong part of a, building a long-term narrative together. It's interesting that you say that. And, and I think that we kind of came to a realization uh, about... Call of Cthulhu in particular on under the library that Call of Cthulhu in general, when you just pick up a module and run through it, there is an expectation that your character is deteriorating along the way. Whereas, and I think, I think other people have talked about that on this show, whereas with uh, things like D&D, your character is getting more and more powerful throughout the module. Um, uh, and in Call of Cthulhu, it is almost expected that you are going to die. Um, you're losing uh, what they're calling sanity, and we're, we're trying to get away from that, that term, but uh, it, your character is deteriorating over time, and you're really just trying to beat that clock in the module. And I think that that both adds tension, and it also adds this... Um, this idea that you can kind of do whatever you want because you're going to die anyway. 
which can be fun if it's played that way and it's not played the way Scott's talking about where it's frivolous, where if you're playing it in more of a a horror movie type scenario where there are, you know, X number of friends who go into the haunted house and the ghost comes out and some of them are going to die and everybody's trying to get out. And at the end, two or three of them are going to get out. Everybody else is dead. If you're playing it that way and everyone's genuinely trying to get out, then it creates that tension. It creates that great story that Scott's talking about. If everyone's being frivolous and ridiculous and playing as if they're going to die any minute and who cares, that's not as compelling of a story for me. So I just want to jump in then and say that I think that as a group, we have found a kind of a good balance for a place, a level of tension, a level of uh, keeper applied tension, I guess, like through damaging the characters or consequences for actions that is still open enough that, yeah, maybe we're all afraid our characters are going to die, but also maybe they won't. And that's one thing that I noticed. I mean, like for instance, at the end of our last season, We had a few characters that left the story, but with their lives. And so I found it interesting that when we started playing together, before we went into Michael's sandbox, we just played a bunch of one-offs, you know, that were maybe like 12 weeks, (laughs) (laughs) but shorter modules and um, pre pre pre-gen characters and well, no, we created characters for those. Mm-hmm. But I guess all I'm saying is at, in all of those games, we did. We made the jokes like, well, you know, we're either going to die or we're going to go. What is the word that we chose instead of? Instead uh, of corruption. Because we're, we're trying to, to go with corruption. Like fully corrupted or fully dead. And that's that's all there is. And then that happened in almost all cases. Mm-hmm. But we've talked in previous episodes about how especially the keeper when choosing consequences has the freedom to tailor those to the situation. Like if this isn't the situation where the character should take five points of damage, maybe the, uh, maybe the consequence can be something, something different without getting into specifics. But I think that that allows us to commit more to our characters because although I know Michael might kill them, us. He, he does like it's to not, sort of hold that over our heads does, for fun. Does. It's not just a foregone conclusion. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I, I think that's one thing I've certainly learned as we've gone along is how to, that, that death in these games really ends tension, right? It's it, that, that's the conclusion right there, right? It, once that happens, there's no more tension for your character. And you have to rebuild an arc of tension with those. Like, I think all of your characters right now are at these wonderful kind of arcs of tension. Like, what's possible? And uh, I, I think that what you pointed out, Emily, that was really great right there was the idea that uh, I didn't think about kind of the impact of these one-offs that we started with as we kind of navigated this new territory of using a more fatal system Mm -hmm. and how that impacted our conversations of 
yeah, I liked this aspect, but you know what? This wasn't so much fun. And we had some really, now that I'm thinking about it, we really had some great conversations after those modules where we were able to kind of break down what aspects of it we appreciated and, and, and what worked as a group. And so I, I think that that's been a really important part. And of course, we all know that we continue to have these conversations and we continue to kind of hone our storytelling, which Scott, you know, you're pointing out there is really big for all of us, but honing that so that we get better at it or it feeds into that. And we're not like perfect at it, but you know, we're, we're always willing to kind of modify and, and rebuild off of those things. And I think really quickly, um, Michael, yeah. Um, just to, to go off of that for a second. So in the one-offs, because I think it's a great point, Emily, the, you know, there's a couple of things. So one, I felt like I was playing a character destined to die. And I was honest about it. Like, I didn't love that. I didn't love the one-offs. Like, it just, I, I just, it didn't feel great to me that I created this, or I was playing this character, knowing this character was going to be dead soon or was going to be corrupt soon. And at the same time, because of the nature of it, we had almost no agency. We couldn't shape the story much at all. Like we didn't have the power to because it was predefined. It was very narrowly defined and we were driving to a very specific place. And, you know, I, I think that it's not that that's not atypical, but being able to introduce more of what we have in the sandbox, which is the ability to co-create together, I think is fantastic. Um, I think that's what has made, like you guys know, I was on the fence about whether I wanted to do this or not. I've loved it. And it's because the sandbox is so different than the experience of playing a very narrowly defined module. And that's why we're so lucky because we have that, you know, we have people in our circle who are able to create that and to, to guide us. But the, the focus of this episode is creating story from both sides of the table. And I've found that in our game more than any other that I've played, uh, there's really a feeling of freedom for me as a player. If I walk into a place that is a part of my story, something I created, my character's old home, for instance, like if I wanted to, I could describe every part of that house and that would be okay. That would be mine to create. Stop me if I'm wrong, be Michael. Even but, better, right? Right. That yeah. takes responsibility off of me. I, I no longer have to be responsible as a keeper for what your house looks like mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. its contents or right sorry i don't want to interrupt you take no, on no that's that's I'm absolutely just saying, like, what i was saying that's the like, ideal. Uh, it's it is good for us that you feel that is the ideal because that is not the feeling at all tables i mean there are a lot of tables where the gm has their setting whether they created it or not and that is that is where you play you play within their concept of the world. But what's really wonderful with our game is that we all get to add our little bits of the world and then we just put them together. And, and, and Go ahead, Michael. Well, and I was going to say, because we're going to start looking at that later in the season is what, what happens when, yeah, when we get <laughs> stuck by, uh, by, um, uh, Oh my gosh! I lost the word art. You pick it up. The, uh, uh, by uh, autonomy, how much uh, how much autonomy you have going into a campaign? Uh, that exact scenario that you just mentioned, Emily, is exactly what we're going to be talking about. Um, I think it's next episode. Um, and, and I think for just a, a, a takeaway for uh, for GMs in that is that you 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 can create your world. Don't feel like 
it, you have to leave parts out and then put that on players to fill in. That's a thing that you, you sort of work toward um, getting to that place where players have the autonomy to create physical spaces, especially things that, that relate to their backstories. Uh, but you can, and we've talked about this before, but, but starting with, with smaller bits of autonomy is, is the way to, to do that sort of collaborative storytelling. The famous one is, is if you're playing sort of a war game or a fighting game, uh, how do you, you kill this creature? How, describe how you do it. Um, that's always the sort of the, the easy first step of how to give player players a voice and a, a bit of that storytelling and then start increasing that as you go as the players are comfortable with and as you're comfortable with and then it really starts it, it, it happens pretty quickly where it, you start creating this environment and these stories and these characters all together and it, it really is pretty amazing like I, I think of some of the times that Michael you've asked Scott to describe things you know tell me what you see what is that thing you're looking at um, and there'll be this moment of hesitation and this guy just jumps into it and starts describing this thing just off the top of his head. And that becomes the thing. Um, uh, it took us a long while to get there. That's not something we started with in day one and we're still working on it. We're still getting better at it. You've got to remember Michael to, to, to take those times and to not feel like it's always on you because that is the sort of natural, um, state for a GM is you've got to you feel like you've got to drive that story forward. But when you know that your players have your back, and I'll tell you, it's much easier to do when you're at a table with people either in person or virtually and you're not doing it for a show. Um, because if if people flub it and think about it and say, oh, let me think about that for a minute, that's okay. For us, we've got to keep going because we're being recorded. We're creating a show. Uh, but for uh, for GMs and players who aren't doing that, make those mistakes. Take those times to 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 think about and maybe start to describe something. No, 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 that's not it. I want it to be like this. Yes, absolutely, do that. Um, so I just want to jump in yeah, there and say one thing. Even if you are making a show, there yeah. are still ways to solve that problem because Great I point. still remember when. Well, obviously, I don't remember too well. Essentially, <laughs> Joe, Joe was having some sort of a vision in a moment that was a consequence, one of these aforementioned consequences of an action. But this wasn't a physical consequence. It was a mental consequence. And Michael asked me what Joe, uh, Joe my character from the, the current season, saw or experienced. Mm -hmm. And I was taking up way too much time for a live play podcast and he just said, well, think about it. And we'll come back to you. Yeah. And then when you came back to me, I had this awesome, awesome scene that I created that I, I was actually that. really proud of. Mm -hmm. and, so. and the great thing about that is it really alleviates, I, this is going to be a reveal here that I probably shouldn't, but it alleviates my need to remember and keep notes on all your backstories. Right? <laughs> because if, if, I, if, if you have that space to interject and bring your own backstory into the, into the equation and make it stated, right? It's heard by not just me, but all the other players. Then like Scott's talking about, right? That makes our world richer. It makes it more involved. Uh, and that, one that thing comes, that, uh, I just want to, before you finish that and go on to something else, that goes back to what Scott was talking about earlier of it, having that environment set in advance that's not a competitive environment that 
the, the trust is there that you know that your, your players are not going to try and pull one over on you and come out with, oh, yeah, in my backstory, I was an expert in uh, blah, 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 so now I can get past your, your NPC that you're trying to kill me with. Um, you know that that's not going to happen. Yeah. So uh, we have that trust built so that if we say, well, this is a thing that, that's in my character's backstory, you go, okay, yeah, roll with it. And because there isn't and that competitive environment set there. Really quickly, not just the trust between us and, and the, the GM, but between the players, right? Yeah. Because we're also complementing each other's stories. And I'm, you know, I think about like the Eddie and Buddy show and we're collaboratively. <laughs> I think it's the Buddy and Eddie show, actually. Uh, we'll see um and we're collaboratively building this sort of story but i'm creating content for you while you're creating it for me yeah and so if we were trying to screw each other over and we didn't have the same trust that would be a lot harder, mm-hmm. right? It would be a very different show. It would be very, it would be very different. Yeah, <laughs> that would be, be the buddy but it, and but Eddie it also, show. <laughs> <laughs> but it also really raises the level of tension, right? Because now your characters are tied to each other, and if something major were to happen to one of your characters, it's no longer an individual character loss or, like, so to speak, a party strength loss. But it's it's a true loss of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And that um, actually reminds but, me of something I wanted to comment on that you said earlier, Michael, um, when you were talking about when a character, uh, when a player character dies, that's the end of that tension for that character. It is the end of the tension for that character, but that actually ramps up the tension for all the other characters because it makes dying a real possibility. Uh, so when no characters are ever in in real peril, then that tension can't ramp up. But when it ramps up slowly and then suddenly one character dies, everybody else goes, oh, shit, this, this is a real thing that can happen to anybody. Yeah. So it then really ramps that tension up are, more. are you telling me I need to kill somebody? Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe Joe. I, I, I don't want know. that one back a little. Please, please walk it back. <laughs> uh, I mean, Joe's but, been around the longest. I guess she's due. Yeah. Well, we Who did knows? just, you know, spoiler alert, we did just have some player, not just, but we recently had some player deaths and or character deaths, and we've certainly had them in the past. So in our campaign, that's certainly there. But there are other campaigns uh, in fact, you know, some that I listen to as actual play podcasts where they've been going on for years and no characters have ever died. Um, mm-hmm. That real tension kind of drops. Right. It becomes like the the protagonist in a movie or something that you just know is going to survive. Yep. Right. Yeah. Which kind of super really quickly. I want to jump on that for two seconds because, you know, like I don't want to take this so far that it becomes silly, but think about like these epic series of like a dozen books, right? Mm -hmm. Where a character does survive all of these different things. Like an epic hero lives through all the worst shit possible. So if we're telling an epic story, it's okay if they live a really long time and go Mm -hmm. through a bunch of really bad stuff. You know, like we read stories about people that live epic lives. Mm -hmm. And again, if it's, you know, if it's George the accountant and he gets killed in the third scene, probably not a very good book Mm -hmm. so i just i don't mind if you have a character that lives and lives and lives because it fits how the story is being told and it's an interesting fun way to play for everyone that seems okay to me like if it's arbitrary and it's just someone that's op and they're just the dm will never let them die because 
that's different. But when it fits the story, I think it can be really great. Yeah, great well, point. Well, right. And the, and one of the other things that's wonderful about role-playing, right, is that you never know who that protagonist is, right? Big difference when you're reading yeah. that book. You know that that person might epically survive. And, and there may be an epic survivor in your game, but they might be on the brink of death, real play, or real character death several times. And you never know what that's going to be. And and if you're really improving it, even the even the GM's not going to know what that what that yeah. finite point is. And, and sorry, let me close the point on this. I know I'm sorry, I'm talking a little bit too much, but you know, in that yeah. instant, in that moment, because of the way the story has been collaboratively built, that character hopefully has a chance to do something epic, right? That's the co-creation. That's that's the the chance to sort of do something that makes it fascinating or makes it powerful or makes it crazy or whatever. Um, like that, I think that that opportunity comes when that co-creation happens. And that's going to put a wrap on this week's session of up your RPG. Thanks for joining us. You can always join us at upyourrpg.com. Hopefully we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table. <laughs>